Good afternoon. Welcome to the channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we are broadcasting today from NCC The Classic, which is underway at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds in Kearney. What a day for markets, as I would say with my Minnesotan, holy Hannah, because it definitely brought you for a wild ride today as we look at what started out as some higher numbers in the overnight trade, definitely turned lower, even on the livestock side of the trade action. So Mike Suzlo is joining us. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics, and I think I want to start with this domino comment that you made to me earlier in that fact that the dominoes really seem to be falling at the moment within this market trade. Yeah, and I've got to say before I get into that, that that saying just really flashed in my mind, Bob Euchre. <laughs> I mean, that was just beautiful. And I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, and we need some levity in the markets right now. And everybody's feeling right now. But yeah, the, the mindset that I would have, and I've had for about two months now, is that we've got on one side of the market the supply-demand fundamentals of South American weather, the WASDE report, the baseline projections, this new EPA now um, reported by Reuters. Um, it sounds like it's a hard decision that we're not going to get any kind of E15 until after the November election into next summer of 25. Um, and, and then also the farmer selling of corn, especially here, as we get closer to March delivery and those cash flow needs out there for producers holding on to corn. So that's on one side of the market. And then on the other side of the market is the Chinese deflation issue, the Red Sea, the Black Sea. And that's the side of the market I've really been watching closely, Susan, for an idea that once we came back from the Chinese Lunar New Year, we'd have what we would call green shoots or positive data. And that positive data would create an environment where you'd start to see some key commodities and assets start to change and start to improve, which would then kind of create a domino effect of the markets and the grains deciding it's not going to be a terribly deflationary time period we're going to enter. We don't need to press prices down to a 215 through 2019 time period. And, and I'd say copper, hogs, the Hong Kong equity market, the Shanghai equity market, feeder cattle, uh, them turning more negative with the fats or, or giving away a lot, if not most of their gains today. All these things are starting to move in a different direction. And then the most important European wheat, as we talked about at midday, it did show what I would call as a confirmed low if we see follow through tomorrow in that it's an outside week. We went down, went through last week's low. Now we went back above last week's high and we closed about 2% higher in that March wheat in Paris. And so now the question is, can we get the traction back in the soft red and get back up above that $6 level on a closing basis? And if that domino falls, then I think we watching the next couple, three days for an overall market sentiment shift led by those outside markets. You know, and I find it interesting because here we're sitting the 22nd of February. Uh, normally we have snow on the ground. Normally it's cold. And we're talking some record temperatures once again, uh, some moisture that could move into Kansas. But I have been reading a few uh, over the last couple of days commentaries saying they're worried about this dormancy and this winter wheat coming through. What are you hearing? Obviously, you being in Kansas, are you hearing more rumbles about it? 
Yeah, in fact, I just sat down with a guy that just dropped in on me from over by McPherson in that area, Salina area, and uh, you know they had gotten some good rains a few weeks back, and it really replenished a drought situation over there where he had 10, 12 bushel beans for yields for most of his fields. Um, and so they're improved, but then there's a larger percentage of the state that, as you say, is heating up. The Kansas City News has reported, and I confirmed it with the National Weather Service, that if we don't get any more rain than we've gotten the rest of this month, it will be the driest record on uh, in, in the history of keeping records going back to the 1850s for this part of uh, eastern Kansas for precip for the month of February. So this all goes into the idea that wheat is the leader. And the other big thing that goes into that idea is that our U.S. stocks here in this country are the second lowest since 2014. It sure doesn't feel like it, though, with the price action we're seeing. And that's where those macro fundamentals come back into play. And secondly, I'd say the world stocks-to-use ratios from the last WASDE report kept us at the lowest level since 2014. So here again, this is why I focus so much on the wheat and the fact that the wheat today is now $1.77 premium to the corn. It is easily a food grain and not competing with corn at this point. So there are some like an inversion in the wheat again in that spread. The market is very much overdone and maybe it's time to change course. But I think, again, the next three, four days would be very, very critical in that mindset. And of course, just keeping an eye what's happening globally with the, with the issues with Russia, with Ukraine, with the fact that our president wants to, you know, put some imposing of some issues with Russia on there. I mean, it's just going to be a lot of factors that weigh heavily on the shoulders of those wheat contracts. Where the market, ever since the supply chain hit in the pandemic and the Black Sea conflict and now the Red Sea conflict, assume that the demand's going to get worse because you're going to have supply bottlenecked. But today, for instance, you use submarine warfare to take ships out of the water in the Red Sea. These are supply issues. These are issues that will curtail supply and it'll be harder to meet the demand. So I really do think the market kind of has it bass backwards at this point when it comes to these conflicts. Historically, conflicts like this, especially in oil-intense areas, lead to a premium being generated in the crude oil market. Well, lots to continue to look at as we get ready for the second half. Real quick, what is your biggest uh, watch on this grain complex that we need to think about? If you can give us a 20-second nutshell. Yeah, the, the next support levels in March corn are around that 393 uh, level from November 2020. March soybeans, 1142 and a half. I don't think we need to go there if the week can stand up here in the next couple days. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to look at as we get ready for the second half of the channel final bell. As we also look at what's been happening on the livestock side, it's been an interesting ride. More to look around the corner. Stick around. It's the channel final bell on the Rural Radio Network. A Best of Both Worlds product portfolio is one of the aspects to look forward to from the new channel brand in 2025. Here's Matt McGuire, new channel dealer from Wisner, Nebraska. With bringing in Fontenelle and Channel together, I think that our portfolios will also be second to none, especially on the corn side. It'll fill holes for both companies that customers may have seen there before, and I think it's just going to uh, make us really rock solid on the corn side. For more, contact your local Channel Seed Pro in Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado. 
Welcome back to the Channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. If you listen closely, you can hear the chant of the auctioneer going out in the background as we've got some cattle moving through the sale ring here at NCC, the Classic. And Mike Zuzolo continues to join us. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And, you know, Mike, this cattle market's been closely watched uh, today by, by folks here, not only at the show, but I think beyond. And it's been an interesting trade. Well, we thought maybe we would have seen the push to some higher numbers throughout the rest of the trading day did not happen that way uh live cattle took a drop what did you see as the turnaround for these live cattle yeah i think the big thing that i saw as the turnaround was it was kind of like the way the wheat looked and what we talked about in the first segment last week's high in wheat was 603 and a half we got the six dollars and then the market just ran out of steam and in the feeders and the fats we got with an earshot of those major September highs from last year. Uh, in other words, those feeder cattle, for instance, Susan, 257.50 was the high back in September league month futures on the monthly chart. We got up to 254.73 today. Similar type of dynamic in the fat cattle market. Just didn't seem to want to push through. I was kind of surprised by that, thinking that maybe the funds would try and turn on the afterburners here with all this other support that they've got from the cash market, the equity market, the hog market, and really try and put in a true double top or put us up against a double top heading in to those cattle on feed numbers tomorrow. Maybe we'll see that during the trade tomorrow, but that's something to certainly watch out for because those charts are getting to look very, very interesting. All right, you brought it up. What is your thoughts on cattle on feed? Well, you know, the, the, the range of placements continues to be all over the place, and it makes sense because we're still seeing the calf prices go for astronomical levels. I mean, I talked to a rancher producer here, a cow-calf guy, earlier today south of Atchison. Five weights at the sale this morning went 327. Mitchell, South Dakota, just reported six-weight steers going for 307. We know the heifers were thrown into the slaughter mix, so the calves are exceptionally higher, and I'm not so sure that that's not skewing the feeder cattle price as a whole. So those placements numbers being from 81.6, to 94 we don't want anything close to 94 given the prices we're at right now we really want the placements to be down there and kind of support the idea that we don't have calves and we don't have feeders at this stage of the game and it, and it comes as no surprise, Mike, that I think there's a lot weighing on, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, weighing on what this report is going to have to say as you look at, at cattle movement and cattle weights and what they've come out of a tough winter. Yeah, and I was uh, talking to another guy. You're you're spot on, and and this goes back to what the funds tend to do. The research I've done would say the funds don't make the trend, but they sure can't amplify it, and they sure can't magnify it. And how much of the feeders are being run up because the corn market's being sold off? I mean, we're now seeing feeders 62 times the price of corn in the read month futures. That gets you right up against the highs from 2015 on a weekly close of 63 times. So after that, you have the highs from 2014 back there around 74, 75 times. But I think there's an energy that the funds bring to this market that's outside the supply demand fundamentals, and they overdo it on both ends. And that's what I'm really worried about as we get ready to rebuild this herd. And, of course, there hasn't been much chatter at this point about where we are, replacement, retention. And I know the market's kind of grasping, hoping to hear something. That's right. And you and I talked about this after that biannual report came out a month ago. 
with the, the beef cows that have calved. We weren't that far down in actual number from where we were back in 2014 heading to 2015. So we can rebuild the herd. And so that means to me, those currencies, those outside markets really mean a lot in 2024, Susan. If we take this dollar up another leg, we can expect a lot more exports and a lot higher imports, just like back when we saw seven, eight years ago. All right, I've got to ask, because we talked about it on this week's Cattle Call edition, and that's been the consumer confidence, but the fact that mainstream media keeps pushing the fact that there's no cattle out there, and they're going to say they're going to see higher beef prices, less beef in the markets, and I think that's kind of causing some consumer panic. I agree with you, and this is the worst time to start talking like that, in my opinion, because we're ramping up to that all-important summer grilling seasonal, and we've got relatively low gasoline prices right now as we head into the summer. We really need a strong one this year to be able to support us um, with the consumer side of the equation, because these prices are getting to the point where they're really steep. Uh, compared to some of the other inflation data that's actually now starting to come down. So what are you hearing from the hog perspective and what we're going to see? I mean, some nice numbers from them again today. I'm getting ready to meet with the guy here a little bit to uh, run some hogs. And, and one thing I'm going to point out to him is that we're starting to see the cash hog market in China take off. It's really starting to kind of launch and see quite a bit of upside movement here the last week, two weeks. And I think that's really supportive because to me, China's deflation is centered upon the pork price in China. Let's wait for folks to get a hold of you. Globalcomresearch.com, and it's globalcom with two M's, research.com. All right, just a quick reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's been today's Channel Final Bell, brought to you by Channel Seed and the Channel Seed Professional on the Rural Radio Network.